This is Kitty Fitton, An Ordinary Life, on Coast Access Radio, 104.7 FM. And this week I'm interviewing nobody. Well, I'm kind of having a chat with the lovely Catherine because, uh, well, if you do go look at my blog and you do go look at my website, that would be the cheeky, oh, let's do it early on, shall we? Why not? Kittyfitton.com. Uh, I'm supposed to write a blog every other week and then do this awesome podcast with Coast Access Radio and it's kind of been a bit light and uh, things have been really tough and quite hard and um, I thought, well, I'll come and explain away what's been going on because that also is about living with Parkinson's and living with children and living with stuff and it's been hard. So, Catherine assures me that it's still good radio. Oh, yes. Hello, so, everyone. So, here we are. Oh, yeah. Because I wanted to ask you, Kitty, really, when you were, we were trying to put a show together for this fortnight, and you said to me, well, I won't use the words exactly that you use because I'd have to bleep them out anyway. It's been rather unpleasant. It's been unpleasant. And you mentioned things like, hospital and children being unwell and children being away and then the stresses of coping with your illness and family Mm. and you said you know I haven't had an opportunity to get someone to come in and chat (laughs) because my life has just been a bit well it's been a bit poo can I say that so I said hey why don't we talk about that because that is an ordinary life yeah yeah, it is. And you know when I was a kid you know somebody once said to me "Oh, oh you should write a book because your life, I'm Martha, a kid. I was in my early twenties. That's a kid. That's a kid. Yeah, yeah. I'm quite old now. <laughs> and they said, "Oh, you should write a book because your life has been so interesting." A little did you know. And I thought, nah. And things just keep happening. <laughs> so now the big joke is, you know, this week in the drama of Kitty Fitton. Oh um, boy. But uh, yeah, it it was it has been pretty hard, and um, it started. Oh, I, I'd been having what I thought were heart palpitations mm-hmm. when I when I was going upstairs, and I was short of breath, um, and I was like, "No, no, I'm not having a heart attack. Stop being such an idiot. I don't have any pain, you know. I'm okay." But I, I, but I was a bit scared. Yeah, and we were sat eating dinner. I think on the Sunday, night, Sunday evening. And I felt faint and like I was going to be sick and a bit strange. And these are all like classic heart attack symptoms. I had had some tingling in my left arm at the bottom. Right. I spent 10 years in the St. John when I was younger. So I'm kind of, you know, know what I'm looking out for. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, this isn't very good. (laughs) And I went and sat and put my feet up and I took some deep breaths and but I thought, no, I'll be okay. I'm all right. I'm fine. Um, and then that was the week of the college ball and my daughter, you know, was having her friends over. My son had been complaining about being ill but also wanted his friends to come over. And I've kind of foolishly listened to a 16-year-old boy who... <laughs> 
who assured me they were absolutely fine to discover later that they absolutely weren't. Um, but so I'd been feeling ill, I think, the days running up to this. Mm. And then the, the day the, on the Saturday, I spent all day like cleaning the house because my daughter's having her friends over after the ball and um, my son's having his mates over and we're getting the the vehicle ready to take them to the ball in and it's all go, 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 go. And after I dropped my daughter off and I came back, um, my son had... I'll just say he'd wrapped up his... You know, his friends had left, but he was clearly quite sick and he'd left heaps of mess. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. As only 16-year-olds can. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, like completely zoned out and ended up having to go lie down because I couldn't cope. I felt like dizzy and weird and it was just awful. And then uh, I went to go pick up my daughter a bit later on after I'd, I'd calmed down and I felt I felt a lot better, drank a lot of water and I'm like, no, you're just dehydrated. I picked up my daughter brought her and her friends home and I basically just went to bed. On the Sunday, when I was supposed to be going to a concert, I just couldn't go and I just stayed in bed, which is really unlike me. I just don't do that. And I think that was the Sunday when I felt really ill in the evening. And then um, on the Monday, I, I insisted on... I was all right. On Monday, I was feeling bad again, so... In the end, Mike took me to the hospital. <laughs> okay. So not to a doctor. Well, obviously, there's a doctor in a hospital, but it, not the local doctor. You were that bad you needed to go into hospital. Well, I rang my... I went to work, and my colleague basically shouted at me for going to work and said, call the doctor. Yeah. Because you're not well. Yeah. And I was going, oh, I'll be fine. That was it. Monday, I'd stumbled through. I stumbled through Monday, Tuesday. I went into work, and my colleague was like, "What are you doing here? Call the doctor." Yeah, I managed to get an appointment with a virtual doctor. Okay, who I went to go see at the doctor's office um, uh, about two p.m. And they said, oh, everything that you're describing concerns me, so I think you need to go have an ECG and have some bloods. Right. So you need to go to uh, an, an, an A&E or okay. something like that. So I arrived at A&E at 3.30 in the afternoon and I stayed till about 1am. Right. <laughs> um, is that because the health system is so overrun or because they had to do multiple tests on you? bit of both. Okay. Uh, to their credit... I mean, I wasn't dying. Mm. So, you know, there are people who are much, much more in need and, and that's perfectly fine. But, uh, you know, they took my details. I sat there. I, I was still feeling pretty pretty rubbish um, and stayed there. They called me to take some bloods, I think, about 6 p.m. Um, and then... We waited till about, I think we gave it till about half nine, quarter to ten. And we kind of went, hey, uh, <laughs> we know that you're really busy, but could we maybe ask what the blood results were? 
because we figured if the blood results were fine, then maybe I could go back and yeah. whatever. Anyway, they did eventually, you know, they were really good. I can't, I'm not, never going to fault anybody that works in the health system. And they um, explained something about my bloods. They said that they, I think it's troponin levels were all okay, which is some chemical that they look for to see if you've had a heart attack. And I hadn't, which is good. And there's no history of it in my family. So I kept telling myself that I'm sensible and you know, all this kind of stuff. But it still really felt bad. And they did some other tests and I did a chest X-ray. And they told me everything was okay. Um, couldn't replicate anything, so sent me home. The next day, uh, I was told that I got some results emailed through. And it said that I had mild cardiomegaly. I've probably said that completely incorrectly, but basically it's slight enlarging of the left ventricle. Okay. Um, which, you know, no, nobody is concerned about, <laughs> apparently. One of my friends emailed me straight away and went, oh my God, like, um, what is the underlying cause? You must find this out. And I was like, hmm. Nobody seems to care. When I rang the doctor, I was told that the uh, the hospital had indicated the next available appointment was perfectly acceptable as a follow-up. When do you think it is? Oh, it's got to be like in a month or something, is it? It's the 25th of October. <laughs> okay, I wasn't far off. And this was like two weeks ago. Oh, okay. So, you know, you're yeah. like... So six oh, weeks from six weeks the event. From the event. I looked it up um, and it said things like, oh, you know, you must look, you must find the underlying cause. But I always take Google with a pinch of salt because we all well, know yeah. you're going to die next week. Yeah. But um, it also said that if you're an athlete, that can sometimes happen. Mm -hmm. I have been doing a lot of exercise to try and combat the stress and, and the Parkinson's. So it could be that. I've been cycling every day. Mm-hmm. It would still be nice to know, though, because, I mean, we had uh, stuff's happened this week with my children. And again, I, you know, like last night I had a bit of an episode when it was like, oh, my goodness, I'm feeling all weird again. And my neck's tight and my arm is a bit tingly. And you just kind of think, mm, well, I'm going to put it down to stress. Yeah, so can stress cause this, do you think, in your Googling, in your Dr. Google? In my, in my, in my imminently non-verified, non non-doctor, yeah. not a doctor, not a surgeon, not in any way, shape or form medically trained. Yeah. Uh, apparently so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know anything about things formally, but everything I've read... It indicates that all of these things can be triggered by stress as well. Yeah. So not an additional Parkinson's issue. Not no. that you need any more, but it's... You've kind of got enough already, eh? Yeah, you have. Yeah. I, I think it's... and I, I mean, this feels like a real pity party and it's not meant to be. Well, but... what I wanted to get from you is... You know, how do you, when you've already got a diagnosis, if you're, you're already dealing with quite a lot of things and all of a sudden something else is thrown at you, you know, your partner has had a cardiac arrest, <laughs> you know, know. In, the, in the past. He's had also had surgery because that cardiac arrest meant that he, he could barely walk anywhere because yeah. his heart wasn't 
whatever the reason, not pumping uh-huh. enough blood or, or whatever yeah. it is, that he, and then he had to wait for further surgery. So it's like you have been given a lot on your plate. So it was more that <laughs> how does Kitty and other people who have all these things, you know, how do you kind of process that and get, get up in the morning and just keep going? How I think do you, do you just go one day at a time. And um, certainly that's the way I've, I've chosen to look at it, is like I've gone back to I'll, I'll write a list of things that I need to get done and I'm try and prioritise those and make sure I stick to it. So, yeah, I basically just try and take it one day at a time and I'll write a list of things and try and prioritise the list. And I'll talk to my family about things that are coming up you know, in, in the weeks ahead mm. and how we're going to deal with it and what we're going to do. I think one of the biggest problems for me is that when I was married, I had no job and I did all the parenting. Mm -hmm. And now she said awkwardly, I have a full time job Mm -hmm. and a partner Mm -hmm. and I still do a significant amount of parenting. And that's not to say that, you know, dad doesn't pull his weight because he does do stuff. But um it's, it still feels quite heavy sometimes, which is hard to deal with. Um, but then you don't want your children to not feel that they can't come to you either because mm. you want your children to come to you and talk to you if they need you. And you still have to work together as a family, regardless of whether you're together or not, to make sure that things get done and the children feel valued and all that kind of good stuff. Do you think that having all that extra stuff to do as well to keep you well is kind of adding to it? Because you're having to work full time to keep everything going and because you have this diagnosis, yet you still have to exercise all the time, otherwise your body doesn't move well. And then you've got things like doing a podcast and doing your comedy and doing all these other things. (laughs) Like, what's going on? I've always been a bit of a, you know, like, go-do-everything person. Right. Um, The problem is that people need balance in their lives, Mm. right? So it's all well and good, me going, oh, I'm really ill and that's terrible. And and it is terrible. And it's not great. You know, I was actually asked this morning, what do you think's worse, Kitty? Do you think it's worse having Parkinson's or cancer? Oh, my God. Goodness. And I just went, uh, I'd, I'd rather have Parkinson's, thanks. And they said, but cancer's curable. I was like, well, it depends really, doesn't it? It's not always. It's pretty grim. I was like, on balance, mm, I reckon I'd probably rather have Parkinson's. I'd rather have nothing, thanks. Um, but you need to do stuff that makes you you. Mm. And I enjoy helping people. Yeah. Uh, I... I love doing this, coming here and talking to people. And uh, I, I like doing the podcast and talking about how people can be hopefully more positive and just, oh, that word is always banded about, uh, but just how people can progress their lives despite issues that are thrown in their path. And like comedy came out of that. And I really enjoy doing that. I get a real buzz from doing it. So I kind of see that as a selfish kind of thing that I do for me. Mm. And um, the other stuff about helping people, 
and I'm involved in some charities. I help them with their IT and things, and and I do that because it makes volunteering makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes me feel good. But I do have to exercise every day, and I do hate it. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been doing all these stretches to help my hips, and I'm lying on the floor trying to like contort my legs in some weird knot. Going, I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> but hey, I can get dressed on my own and I don't need any help and I can reach my feet and it's like, whoa. <laughs> what do you do, right? But I think it's very cool that you're not giving up those things. Like I, it was a facetious question really because if you didn't do those things, you would or do you think you would be focused too much on your illness? I think it could be, this is me looking from the outside mm -hmm. in. I'm assuming for some people it could be a lot easier just to give that away, to not do the extra things because there's enough going on. But are you finding that doing all the other things that you do do helps you have a more ordinary life or a more fulfilled life? You're not letting that disease stop you from doing the cool things. Yeah, I remember getting diagnosed and going home and thinking that my life was over. And I remember crying for days on end because I thought that was it. Hmm. And were it not for, you know, were it not for the help of Parkinson's New Zealand, I, I would be in a very, very different, at that time, very different place. And they helped me to get a handle on what had happened to me. And I always joke that, you know, because I'm from Yorkshire, <laughs> I'm from Yorkshire, and we don't take things lying down. But it's a nice thing to kind of just keep you going. I, I just kind of, I have this joke that northern people will never accept any help or assistance and you could have your arm chopped off and your leg could have fallen off and you'd still be dragging yourself along the floor going, I'm fine, I'm fine, don't know, don't worry. You know, it's, it's like that Monty Python sketch, which is sadly kind of true, oh. you know. Um, and I do think I've got some grit somewhere that just keeps me from... I, I didn't want to become that woman with Parkinson's. Yet you have this great empathy for other people. So why don't you have it for yourself? Or is it just because you're from Yorkshire? <laughs> I don't want my children to look at me and think, oh, but we can't talk to mum because she's sick. Mm -hmm. Or we can't go do this stuff because mum's sick. And some stuff is already quite hard. I've realised that walking long distances is getting quite tricky. Mm. I think Amelia alluded to that a few, few weeks ago. That was really, really upsetting. And that also, like, but I, I went home and I thought, what can I do about this? Because I know a lot of people with Parkinson's can walk. And I, and I can't. And this is very annoying. So I started doing all those hip exercises. <laughs> um, I don't know if they'll work. I don't know. But I, I have to try. Yeah. Because that's who I am. Yeah. So, I'm not really good at saying nice things about myself. <laughs> that's okay. That's not really what we're after, I, I guess. It's more I'm trying to figure out where you get your strength from. 
Uh, Where do you get your energy from to go, okay, yeah, I've got this, I've got that. Now there seems to be a bit of a problem with my heart, which we don't know what it's about yet. I have to wait a few weeks for it. But you know what? I'm just going to get up and do some more stuff. Like where do you get the drive from? I've always been quite strong of mind. I've always been someone that's had an opinion, even when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I used to say to people, don't ask me for my opinion if you don't want it, because I'll be honest. And I'll tell you what I think. I used to get into so much trouble. I do think that my upbringing is part of it. And unfortunately, my childhood around my late teens was, shall we say, less than impressive. Um, and unfortunately, I, I, I do believe that sometimes when you get some hard knocks, it makes you a little bit harder. Mm. And again, I could have just gone, oh, my life's rubbish and just I'm just going to accept that. But I... I didn't want to. I had friends who had. I went. I went out and I worked and I. And I always wanted to do the best that I could and be the best kitty that I could be. And that's what I want for my children. I just want them to do their best. And I think if you take something on, I really believe that you should give it everything you've got. Because otherwise, what's the point? And that's kind of who I am. I want to be a good mum. Because of um, issues that I had when I was a kid. And I want to be a good parent. And that's what keeps me going. For those people who are listening, because I think you have listeners that are going through maybe not the exact same diagnosis, but mm. certainly people who are, have their own issues, you're going through a bit of a bad patch at the moment. Yeah. Can you give some advice to people listening on some, maybe some coping mechanisms to maybe see you through to the, you know, to get past this bad patch? Sounds really cheesy, but the best coping mechanism I have, the first one... <laughs> is this too shall pass. Yeah, nice. In that everything comes to an end. Good stuff and bad stuff. So the first thing I always think is, well, I will get through this. There's going to be something better at the end. Because there always is. <sighs> I actually really like gardening. Yeah. Always liked gardening. When I was seven years old, I remember the school doctor went, oh, you're the gardener. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I finally reached an age where being guard, being the gardener is, a, is an acceptable thing to be. Um, <laughs> and um, people don't think I'm weird anymore. Uh, but yeah, I, and even if I can't do much or I can't grow much, I'll just go around and I'll poke a few things in the garden yeah. or just breathe in the fresh air. Yeah. Even if it's raining. The rain's good, right? Because yeah. it means the earth is getting what it wants and I'm sounding a bit green and strange, but it's it's true. And when I got I got really upset the other day and I started to feel all the stuff just rising inside me. And I said to my son, I was like, you know what? I went, I'm going to go for a walk. Well, go for a bike ride because walking, as previously stated, is a bit difficult sometimes. I said, I'm going to jump on my bike and I'm going to go down to the beach and just sit and look at the sea. Nice. 
And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, screaming into a pillow is perfectly acceptable if that's what you feel you need to do. But just remember that you can get through it and there will be people out there that want to help you. There, there are there's some people who I did not realise were such good friends have come to me and offered help or just sent me a little message. Hey, are you okay? Heard saw that you might have been a bit upset. Hmm. And those little messages mean so much more than you think they do. So, yeah. That's very cool. <sighs> so some forest bathing and some wind bathing, I think they call those things Oh, now. they do, don't mm. they? Yeah. Yeah. It's all very and, new age. And earthings. Well, it's actually going back to the old age. Mm. It's going back to us connecting back to... Connecting with the planet. Mother Earth. Indeed. And it certainly works. It does work, yeah. Yeah. It's not going <laughs> to fix everything, but it's, it certainly helps. Kitty, thank you so much for having that frank conversation. I know that you're not, you know, in the best of spaces at the moment, but you're still smiling. You, you asked know. some great questions. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. I think you should be here every time I do this. <laughs> oh, wait, you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's my job. Ah, uh, indeed. Yeah. I made you cry and I made you laugh, so that's my job done. Tick. That's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, having me back. And I hope there are still some people listening and I hope it didn't sound too much of a pity party. It wasn't a pity party. It was just you and your ordinary life. That's what the title of the show is and that's what it is. I couldn't have said it better myself. This programme was made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for Radio Broadcast and through the accessmedia.org.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand on air.